Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue Podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our special guest, Nikita Hemingway, the Democratic nominee for Agriculture Commissioner. Welcome back to the show, Nikita. We're so happy you're with us. Thanks, Meryl. It's exciting to be here with you guys. You know, this is one of my favorite podcasts because it covers so much of North Georgia. Very important to furthering Georgia's vision and making agriculture and all of Georgia included in the progress we plan to make here. So, Well, thank you so much for your kind words, and we certainly appreciate your candidacy and all you do. So let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Nikita is an entrepreneur, political leader, realtor, and cut flower farmer. Now she's running to be Georgia's next commissioner of agriculture to ensure that our agricultural legacy becomes our launch point toward a future where all Georgians thrive. This Georgia native is a married mother of four and resides in Dekula, Georgia, with her family where she farms and maintains a small real estate practice. She attended Georgia State University where she majored in real estate and also has a degree in finance from American Intercontinental University. Hemingway is an active member in the Democratic Party of Georgia, the Federation of Democratic Women, the Georgia Farm Bureau, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, Women in Agribusiness, the Federation of Southern Cooperatives and Land Trust, the National Association of Realtors, and she also serves on the board of Open Arms Group, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving the needs of women and children in underserved communities. Oh my, where do you have time to campaign? Oh my gosh, listen, campaign, let alone sleep. <laughs> I'm telling you what. So in 2020, Nikita came just 779 votes shy of unseating the three-term Republican incumbent in Georgia House District 104. Congratulations on that. That was quite the feat. She credits this to being a realtor turned farmer and recognizing the unique challenges farmers and landowners around this state face in protecting their land and in opportunities to expand their farming practices. Nikita believes that under the right leadership, Georgia can create a better future for every farmer and every citizen who calls Georgia home. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your candidacy. And we are extremely fortunate to have you on our side. So let's dive right in. I'm going to ask you questions that you list as pressing issues on your website. And I want to let all of our listeners know that your plans are in incredible detail available on your website. But I want to give our listeners an overview as to who you are and what you intend to do. So first, one of your issues that's very important to you is your plan to end child hunger in Georgia. We know that child hunger is a serious problem, not just here in the U.S., but all over the globe. And of course, it's gotten worse in Georgia with the advent of COVID and all those repercussions. So how do you plan to go about achieving this magnificent feat? And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Absolutely, it would. So in the state of Georgia, this is pre-COVID data, one in seven children are facing hunger. And, you know, with agriculture being our largest industry and recognizing how policy impact resources and especially in agriculture and how it impacts 
so much of our daily lives, when you start to peel back the layers of what is hindering, what is preventing children from having proper nutrition and access to quality foods, it really is not about the resources. It's about the leadership and the policies. The Biden administration has committed to eradicating childhood hunger in the nation by 2030. I believe that we can get there much sooner here in Georgia just by interning internally and looking at where are we missing the mark and opening up those opportunities. Even though agriculture is Georgia's number one industry, we still import the majority of our food. And if you've been to the grocery store in the last few years, like I have, you know that when you buy produce, it's no longer good two or three days later which means all of the nutritional content has essentially exacerbated before you've even gotten it. So the way that we want to tackle just food insecurity throughout the state of Georgia with this, a special laser focus on our children is to create more opportunities for local farmers here within the state to get their produce in the hands of Georgia families, get their foods on the tables of our families, and also to invest heavily in our school lunch programs so that the food that they're getting at breakfast and at lunch at school, is not only locally grown, but it is higher quality. Right now, we have a lieutenant governor who is currently suing Joe Biden because Joe Biden says you cannot discriminate in the state of Georgia against LGBTQIA kids from receiving a free lunch program. In order to accomplish this goal, it, it very much rests in the hands of leadership who actually cares about people and that is not looking to fight against the people. And that seems to happen quite a bit with the Republican leadership in Georgia. I find them to be primarily obstructionists. Absolutely. Yes, rather than reaching out to help those in need. So thank you for that. And that segues into my next question. Of course, you're an advocate of locally grown produce, food, and cut flowers. I had to throw in that plug for you there. We all love cut flowers. What is your plan to ensure that our stores carry locally grown products to support our farmers? Because that's not always the case. So uh, oftentimes the challenges uh, with getting some of the smaller scale farmers products in the stores and on the shelves of our supermarkets has a lot to do with packaging, marketing, scalability. So the first step is helping Georgia farmers build an infrastructure around their business where they're actually more successful, finding out where they miss the marks in terms of their internal practices so that they are able to scale when opportunities are presented to them, but also expanding their marketplace opportunities beyond just the traditional retailers. So what that looks like for us is expanding farmers markets throughout the state. It is my goal to eliminate food deserts, and it definitely can be accomplished. We saw with the pandemic that when all the stores were shut down, when we were all at home, e-commerce grew by two, three hundred percent. And so taking that approach and creating opportunities in the digital space, as well as the physical space to get Georgia grown products in the hands of consumers is definitely going to be important in order to help farmers become more profitable. What would that take from your office on the legislative level? Is that something you can do yourself or would you need the sign off from the Georgia Assembly or how does that work? The powers are already there to do it. The budget is already there to do it. However, 
If we don't do an efficient job of electing Democrats from the top of the ticket all the way down to the bottom, what will likely happen is when I take seat as Commissioner of Agriculture and some of the other statewide candidates, if our legislature is still a Republican hill, they'll just strip us all of our powers. So when you talk about them being obstructionists, they absolutely will be obstructionists to ensure that we are unable to fulfill the promises that we've made to you know, members of our society. And that's disheartening because these are real nonpartisan issues and everyone should be invested in the success of our farmers and our children and our family. But the reality is, is that they're not. So our party has been single-minded in that everywhere we go, we want people to know we need Democrats elected from the top of the ticket to the bottom because that is the best and only chance we have of delivering on all those promises we've made to you. And we can get things done in 2022 and for the next four years. That's terrific. And we've been emphasizing voting on the ballot from the top all the way down for all the statewide offices because we truly need a Democratic coalition to come together and ensure that all Georgians are protected and served. So thank you. Let's talk about your farm recovery plan as well. I wanted to touch on that because we know that COVID and now, of course, the economic downturn has wreaked havoc on Georgia's farmers and the farming community as a whole. What does your plan entail and how will you implement it as our new agriculture commissioner? And also I wanted to throw in there, do you support cannabis legalization? And if so, why? Let's take it one step at a time. Sure. Let's talk about what's going on with our farmers right now. So right now, our farmers are just like everyone feeling the pains of inflation. And we champion Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. I believe it was a good call on the national level, but we also have to be realistic and recognize that there was a period of time in which our families and our farmers were dealing with rising input costs, rising household costs, food costs, fuel costs. And so for many of Georgia's farmers, if they were able to survive this kind of influx in their pockets, we as consumers are going to see the difference in the next cycle in terms of cost of food. I was talking to one strawberry farmer and he was just explaining to me the cost of his buckets, how they've six, 700x in cost. And that's just for buckets for people to be able to put the strawberries. That's not the fuel that goes into his tractor or the fertilizer input. So the Ag Commissioner also is the chief lobbyist and advocate for the state of Georgia. It has the ability to tap into the resources of the USDA and ensure that we get grants and money throughout the state of Georgia to help our farmers and to help the ag community without raising taxpayer dollars. So that is something that we are definitely committed to doing, having real dialogue with every farmer against every subsector in agriculture and ensuring that we can provide them the level of support they need to rebound their businesses and get back on the right side of those numbers and start making money without that cost impacting families. That's a first 100 days commitment from us. As it relates to cannabis and hemp, I a million times support the full legalization 
of this simply because the opportunities are endless in this space. Industrial hemp has more than 25,000 uses. And of the many uses, sequestering properties are unparamount. They're unmatched. You have places like Chernobyl and parts of China who are actually cultivating industrial hemp for the sake of removing the heavy metals toxins out of the soil and the atmosphere. And so for us, if we peel back the layers of how farmers can be profitable in this space beyond the use of medicinal marijuana. Hemp is used in so many different, there are more than 25,000 different products that this particular plant is used in. And for us in the state of Georgia, we've already started the process of legalizing it. But when we roll back these restrictions, we create more avenues for farmers and marketers to become more profitable in this space. And I agree with you. It does have so many applications, especially hemp. Why do you suppose Republicans are so reticent to support uh, not just cannabis legalization, but the use of hemp in all of these wonderful products that it goes towards that would make our farmers more profitable and help everyone across the state? It's funny because, you know, my husband's Republican and oftentimes him and I will have conversation on what the similarities are and where Democrats and Republicans differ. And the reality is we all recognize that regulation can be somewhat abused. For the GOP here in Georgia, they use regulation to disenfranchise certain groups of society from having economic opportunities. And so in Georgia, in order for the farmers to become profitable, who are currently holders of camp and cannabis license, we are either going to have to elect new legislators so that they can remove some of those restrictions and or get this legalized on the national level. Again, it goes back to who benefits from this. And right now I can tell you that of every farmer that I've spoken to who doesn't have big pharma supporting them, who doesn't have all the relationships, they're losing money. It costs on average about $500 per acre to grow hemp and cannabis. There are farmers right now in the state of Georgia who are sitting a product from 2020 because they can't compete with the THC oil that's currently in the marketplace right now that is grown in China and in California. And the licensing part is $25,000 to get the license, but to renew it, it's almost double. Well, it's more than double that. So it really boils down to leadership. It does. And the lack thereof. Right. As is the current case, is the Republican Agriculture Commissioner that we have now who will be displaced once you take office in January and win in November, is he doing anything to help Georgia farmers at the moment? I mean, it just seems like Republicans are so busy trying to obstruct valuable policy for Democrats that they don't seem to have time to do anything else. So is he doing anything at all right now? That's a great question. And I would say Gary Black happens to be one of the most well-liked Republicans throughout the state. When I talk to farmers, many farmers feel as though they have a friend in Gary Black. Sometimes it's not always about the absence of what you're doing. Sometimes it simply is, are you qualified? Do you understand how to solve these issues? And the reality is, is farmers are still hurting in Georgia. 
And we have 68,000 farmers in this state and two thirds of them still must maintain a nine to five job. So I believe it is about having leadership who understands how to make money, who is more than just a farmer and who sees this space as an opportunity to grow opportunity for everyone and to solve many issues that are plaguing our state. Absolutely. And hopefully that scenario will change moving forward. (laughs) So most importantly, Nikita, do you think your husband will change his voter registration to Democrat once you're elected? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a fair question. You've got it. Yeah, got a whole James Carville, Mary Madeline vibe going on there. So I did want to ask you about that. You know how men are, you know, it's like the last stand at the Alamo for them. They're going to do everything to not just jump on board. He'll vote for some Democrats, but it changing his uh, registration card. I think that's like he loses a piece of his identity. So, you know, we'll let him have it. (laughs) (laughs) If it makes him happy, you know, throw him that little tidbit. That's fine. Listen, I let people know all the time, if you want bipartisanship, then at least elect a candidate who lives with the other side every single day, because I know how to work those deals. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You're definitely certified. You have your doctorate, I'm sure. Moving forward onto a, a much more serious issue. I was surprised to read this on your website because I would never have equated human trafficking with agriculture. And you put this so beautifully on your site and you explained it so beautifully. But as the AJC reported, a massive human trafficking ring enslaved more than a hundred migrant workers, if everyone recalls this, I do, on South Georgia farms. The victims were actually kept prisoners at work camps penned in by electric fences, which is total insanity. Two workers died and at least one other was raped repeatedly. It was a horrible, truly horrific situation. We know that Atlanta and Georgia in particular can be a hub for human trafficking. It's been an issue with our international airport and of course the international seaports that we have on the Savannah coast. So how would you prevent this from happening again? How would you work to ensure that human trafficking is alleviated within the agriculture realm, I guess I would say? Yes. So that's the the million dollar question. The answer is this, to fully address this issue, it's not going to be accomplished in one term. However, we can do a better job of protecting the invisible workers and making sure that they are seen and making it more challenging for these types of events to happen throughout the state of Georgia. We absolutely must respond expeditiously every time that they do. So one of the things I want to accomplish is to establish a hotline, uh, an anonymous hotline where if you see something happening, you can call and report it without fear of who you are being exposed. Because I believe that we have a duty to protect every member of society. As an African-American whose ancestors were slaves, to me, I feel as though it is much more of a duty to make sure that this is a top agenda item and we don't neglect this or pretend as though it doesn't exist when it actually it does. Georgia is the number one H-2A visa in the nation. We issue over 70,000 annually. And tell us what that is. So the H-2A visa is the migrant workers program. It's government sponsored. Well, it's employer sponsored, but it's the U.S. government. 
in which employers can legally bring immigrants into the United States to work. And within those commitments are housing commitments, hourly pay, which is supposed to be consistent, by the way, with Georgia's minimum wage or greater. And it's also supposed to include education, I believe, and some health benefits. So what has been happening in Georgia Ag is that these migrant workers I mean, these people are very sophisticated, let me tell you. They have been marketing to many of the embassies internationally to get these people here with the promises of everything that I stated this program is supposed to do. And when these individuals arrive here in Georgia, their documents are taken away from them and they're put in these deplorable living conditions. They have no contact with their family for years and years. And so it's like when you go on vacation or you go someplace internationally, you don't understand or know what resources are available to you. It is a tragic, tragic situation that has happened here in Georgia and it continues to happen in Georgia. We talked about it. We've been very upfront about our stance on protecting farm workers. And it is one of my goals of helping farm workers unionize. And I will tell you, Meryl, when this incident happened in December, we talked about it on social media. It went viral. We had 11.1 million views. It was retweeted 76,000 times. And surprisingly, the number one statements were, well, if you think that's bad with the onion farms, go look at the tomato farms, go look at the watermelon farms. Let's talk about construction. I mean, it was just mind boggling to know that this is happening here in the state of Georgia. So the attorney general has a human trafficking task force, but they have no one from the Department of Agriculture on that task force. So that is something that we definitely are going to push for. And it is just um, ensuring that we have agencies and support, you know, around our immigrant communities here in Georgia and make sure that they are visible, they are seen, they know how to reach and tap into those resources. Do we have any laws in place currently that protect these people or should protect these people? Because that's horrible. I think that's been flying under the radar for the average person who's not engaged in this situation. And the fact that we keep allowing this to happen, how many cases are there? throughout the state that we never hear about. So to answer your question, at the heart of the matter, these are human right violations. And it doesn't matter if this is in agriculture or if this is in construction, these are human beings who are not being given the quality of life that every person in this country should have. These are just basic survival necessities that we should respond to. No one should ever be held against their will and no one should ever be deceived into performing or doing work they haven't agreed to and under terms they haven't accepted. So we've just got to do a better job here in the state of Georgia of making sure that we follow the law and we protect everyone. Yes, that would be ideal, certainly. And I do have to ask that the farmers that were responsible for this abhorrent behavior, have they been held to task? Have they been charged? So there is currently an investigation going on right now, and it's being held by the Department of Justice. But remember how I said we literally have got to ensure that we get Democrats in every seat. You know, there were two members from the Department of Labor for Georgia 
that were involved in this activity. So we have government, state appointed and state elected government official involved in these human rights violations. It really does. It really does. And thank you for emphasizing that because that's something that we've been doing as a party for quite a while now. A lot of folks just vote for the top two positions and then don't bother to go all the way down the ballot. So you're right. We need a strong coalition of dedicated democratic leadership that will work together to ensure there's cohesion. And we've got to prevent this from happening again. It's a human rights abuse. There's no doubt about that. So moving our attention to what's in the news recently, let's talk about Jackson, Mississippi. And a lot of folks think, well, that wouldn't happen here. That could never happen here, but it could really happen anywhere with climate change and storms becoming more powerful and flooding being a problem. And then we, of course, we have extreme droughts as well. And now Jackson, Mississippi, I mean, that made international news. The residents there have been suffering for a couple of weeks now without water, and there isn't enough water to power the city and to ensure that every child and every person has access to clean drinking water. So tell us your thoughts on that and how it could conceivably happen here and what we can do to prevent it. Here's the irony. It has happened. In Somerville, Georgia, which is in Chautuga County, we currently have right now a flash flood situation that has happened where the citizens are now being advised to boil the water that they need to consume. There was a pump failure, and now they are completely without water. The only water that they have is the water they have in their reservoir. Leader Abrams and I and several delegates will actually be in Chattooga tomorrow to deliver water and some aid relief to those members of the Somerville community in Chattooga County. Climate change is very real. And I was reading something the other day talking about the frequency and the magnitude of these incidences occurring. Some of the predictions were very, very grim. On one accord, I heard that the entire southern coast of California could be wiped away in the next four or five years. And so when we look at our fossil fuel usage, when we look at how do we make the necessary adjustments now to slow this down and reverse some of the damages, it really has a lot of tentacles and roots in agriculture. And I believe pulling more from a locally grown movement where we're sourcing most of our resources from within the state can have a profound impact on reducing our CO2 footprint. So it is, how do we build the next generation of Georgia farmers? How do we respond to climate change in real time so that we can reverse some of the damage that we are currently seeing and ensure that our survival will continue on indefinitely? I heard a guy who said 2030 is the magic number. So In the state of Georgia, there are organizations who are on the ground now really speaking to the needs, getting our businesses to look at alternative products and kind of steer away from some of those products that are creating more damage to the environment. I hate to draw all roads back to hemp and cannabis, but cannabis does provide many alternatives to plastic in terms of products that we use as utensils, storage containers, even how we package our materials. 
Those things are very important. Leaning into green energy is going to be very important for the state of Georgia. I believe we have the foundations for establishing a good, solid green policy and becoming more climate aware. But again, if we don't have the right people spearheading these organizations, spearheading government spending and government policies, we will not make the necessary adjustments we need. And there will be more uptick in these issues. That's a shame because we know that Republicans aren't really spearheading any (laughs) progressive policies when it comes to clean energy. And I'm sure that would directly assist our farmers. So yeah, it is happening and it's happening everywhere. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. And I'm just going to say, you know, sometimes these are just improvements in practices. Like for me as a farmer, we recognize the erosion of topsoil as being an issue. And how do you regenerate the soil so that the earth is better and you use less pesticides, less chemicals in your farming practices? And I'm talking to farmers throughout the state and they're really upset and disturbed about some of the GOP's legislators move, including my opponent. Mr. Harper, who support these non-nutritive soil amendments, which are causing runoff and poison and toxin in our water sources. Little River had some non-nutritive soil amendments that were added to a particular dairy farm near Oglethorpe. And it ran off into the water and it killed over 1,700 fish in one day. So many of the practices we have just in the space of agriculture, if we can peel back the layers and look at what we should allow versus what we shouldn't allow, I think we can make tremendous impact in a short period of time. That is horrifying about the groundwater. You know, we talk about that with nuclear plants and various other facilities that may harm the earth and harm people who have to drink that water, but tying it back to agriculture and farming, I don't think most folks have ever considered that. You know, the average person who's not involved in the realm of farming and agriculture. So there's a direct correlation there. Yes, there is. And and let me be clear, I don't want to demonize farmers. Oh, no, of course not. You're not doing that. But I do want to make a clear distinction that our legislators play a key role in protecting our farmland and in ensuring that we have quality soil and quality products to move us forward. There are many non-toxic products that are out there to help farmers deal with pest management. And cut flowers, we experiment with chrysanthemums. We're using chrysanthemum oils because it is a natural deterrent for some of the types of pests we're seeing on our farm with our flowers. And that is a natural product. Mm -hmm. So again, People in society will use what our leaders have said is good enough for us to use. And so we have leaders who are saying, you know, we're not going to make it easy for Roundup to put all of 9 million different chemicals in this one bottle and sell it to a farmer. Our farmers, it's not their job to be scientists. It's their job to be farmers. But our leaders have a duty to make sure that the types of policies we're passing and the products we're bringing to the marketplace do not impact harm on the Well, that's beautifully stated. Thank you. And we do have to make it easier and better for our farmers to access these non-toxic materials. And that's not currently happening. So again, (laughs) this position is so important and we're so thrilled that you're running. So Nikita, I could talk to you all day. We're running short on time. 
But if someone wants to get involved with your campaign, donate or volunteer, where would you send them? My website is Nikita Hemingway, and it spells N-A-K-I-T-A. H-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y.com, NikitaHemingway.com. And if you Google my name, you're going to find me on social media. Listen, I won the name lottery. I'm the only Nikita Hemingway, so you're bound to find me. But yes, we'd love to have the support. We're really digging our heels in right now. We are about 60 days out from Election Day. And it is very important for the people of Georgia to understand that we want Democrats at the top of the ticket to the bottom of the ticket because we have an agenda of supporting the people throughout Georgia. But make no mistake, this is not about partisanship. This is about doing what is right. And right now, the Republican Party has proven that they can't be trusted. You know, most people don't know my opponent, Tyler Harper, was in Washington, D.C. on January 5th and 6th. Oh, And so that's really important to know who we're electing to these positions. Mm -hmm. You know, he's supported by Big Ag, who wants to keep a thumbprint and keep small farmers down because this is how they win. And I see it as we can make this system work for everyone, regardless of the size of your farm, because the reality is the needs and challenges small farmers are experiencing are not the same as what larger farmers are experiencing. But we have to have leaders who understand how to make money, but and also understand and is passionate about protecting Georgia families. And that is what I bring to the table. And I hope that in being transparent about my life and my husband being Republican, (laughs) (laughs) people know that I genuinely want all people in Georgia to thrive and succeed. Thank you. And we are so grateful (laughs) to have you as our candidate for Ag Commissioner and support you completely. So thank you for that. And finally, and Nikita, you know this is coming. So I don't know if it's changed from last time. It's been a while since we spoke with you last, but tell us a fun fact about yourself. Something fun and interesting just about you, Nikita, as a person not necessarily related to your campaign or your political activism and work. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So sorry. All my guests tell me this is the hardest question to answer. It is. And I'm so sorry to throw that at you. No, 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 no worries. It's always fun. Oh, gosh, let's see. Uh, hmm. I would say it's my hobbies. I have a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests, and I love all things. I have about two or three quilts that I have not been able to touch in the past two years because of politics. I am a member of, of almost every gardening group on Facebook just because I really like that's my soul. I really love growing things. And so I'm the little woman in the corner who has an answer for every question regarding a pest or, you know, how to propagate an answer. That's me. And I just love life and I love people. And to me, nothing brings me greater joy than seeing people win. So I guess those are all the fun and weirdo things about me, but. No, I love that. You are truly a Renaissance woman. You are. (laughs) 
we love the fact that you have so many diverse interests, but yet you're laser focused on serving the people of Georgia who need your help the most. So thank you, Nikita, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work and, of course, candidacy to advance democratic goals and policy. I'm Meryl Clark, and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at Fannin County Georgia Democrats.com, all spelled out. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at North Georgia Blue Podcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble. 